Does race exist? And if race does exist, is it a biological or social concept, or both? Asking and answering questions about race is not always easy. On the one hand, it's undeniable that the concept and language of race does so much to structure our collective world and the individual experiences of many people, for better or for worse. Indeed, given the prevalence of racial injustices, it can seem misguided and perhaps dangerous not to talk about race. But, on the other hand, there is arguably, in any case, a scientific consensus emerging that race doesn't really exist. And this raises the concern that talk about race and races seems to commit us to the existence of something that science says isn't actually real. So how can we deal with this problem in a philosophically coherent and ethically defensible way? I'm your host, Professor Paul Formosa, and welcome to In the Cave, an ethics podcast. Here to help us think about these issues today is Dr. Adam Hockman. Adam is a member of the Macquarie University Research Centre for Agency, Values and Ethics, or CAVE, and he's a senior lecturer in the Department of Philosophy here at Macquarie University. Adam, welcome to In the Cave. Thanks for having me on the show. Fantastic to have you here. So you've recently published an article in the journal Biology and Philosophy, in which you argue that social constructionism about race, despite its popularity, is not really a useful metaphor for thinking about race. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. So I think the best way for us to get started is to get our conceptual bearings. And one way to do that, I think, is to contrast at a high level the view that race is a biological fact about human beings and the view that race is something like a social construction. Now, I know you go on to problemize that distinction. We'll get to those problems later on. But just bracketing those concerns for a moment, how would you explain in fairly simple terms the contrast between those who view race as a biological fact and those who view it as something like a social fact or social kind? Yeah, I mean, I do problematize the distinction, but we can make it for now. So the idea that race is a biological fact is called in the literature biological racial realism. And it's simply the view that it's possible to divide up our species into a number of major biological subgroups. Social constructionism about race, in kind of broad overview, is the view that race is in some sense a social invention or that it didn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the way that it currently is. Awesome. Okay, so I think that's pretty clear at the high level. As we said, we'll get back to the details as we go along. So we'll come back to social constructionism uh, in a little bit. But first of all, I want to focus on your discussions around biological realism or the idea that it could be a biological basis to race. So some people might have a thought, something like this, and it's an example you discussed in your paper. Look, if we take the skin colour of a stereotypically black person, their skin colour is on average darker than the skin colour of a stereotypically white person. And it's, I guess it's thoughts like this that might uh, lay people to think, look, isn't there some sort of biological basis to race? Can we point to things like this? Now, this leads us to, uh, I guess, the question, what would have to be the case for it to be true that race is actually biologically real? And what sort of uh, facts tell us that these conditions are not, in fact, doesn't really have a biological basis? Yeah, so I think the best way to determine whether or not there are human biological races is to take the standard methodologies that are used in the natural sciences to determine whether species can be divided up into subgroups and just apply those methodologies to our species. Now, in biology, they don't tend to talk about race when they talk about non-human animals. The term that tends to get used is subspecies, right? And Charles Darwin argued that race and subspecies are synonyms. And I think that's right, that subspecies is the scientific way of talking about race. And so the question then becomes, does our species have subspecies? And the answer is a resounding no, right? So there are three subspecies of chimpanzee, but there are no human subspecies. In a sense, that isn't very surprising because our species is relatively young, so we haven't had as much time to become diverse, and we're a very mobile species, which also acts to reduce diversity. So we are a very genetically homogenous 
species. So we don't have enough diversity and it's not distributed in the right way to justify racial classification. So you mentioned skin colour, right? So we do have some traits that are diverse, but if you look at how skin colour is distributed, it's mainly smoothly distributed over geographical space, right? So it would be hard to say where one race would end and the other race would begin. And obviously that's just one trait and it's a superficial trait, right? So yes, people in sub-Saharan Africa were from there or descended from there tend to have dark skin, but it's one of the most diverse places on earth they've got the tallest and the and the shortest populations on earth right so you use a different trait and you get a cross classification but really i think the key message is if we want to be scientific about it and subspecies is the scientific synonym for race then there are no human races because there are no human subspecies so the key idea is that the genetic diversity doesn't bunch up in the way you might expect if there were i think something more like subspecies now i guess you might get some pushback from those who want to point to some sorts of genetic differences that do seem to exist amongst populations. You talk about some of these in your paper. For example, hereditary hemochromatosis, which leads to the accumulation of iron in the organs, is more common um, in those with a European ancestry. Something like lactose intolerance is more common in those with an Asian or African ancestry. So do facts like this, are there some things that sort of bunch up? Do they lead any support to the idea that biological racism is real or are they the wrong sort of traits? I don't think that they do support the idea of biological racial realism. And actually, I think they lend support to my view, right? So these sorts of medical differences, you could put it like this, they don't tend to discriminate on the basis of so-called race. As far as I can tell, all medical difference is either found in subpopulations within racialized groups or is shared between racialized groups. And actually, the examples that, that you mention show that, right? So hereditary hemochromatosis is more prevalent in some populations in Northern Europe, right? So it's not like a thing that is common among all people racialized as white. It's a subgroup of people racialized as white. And then with lactose intolerance, well, most of the world's population is lactose intolerant, almost 70%. Yeah, me me included. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it really doesn't help the biological race realist case. And I actually think that it can be quite dangerous to think about um, medical difference in terms of race. So consider another example, um, something that's considered to be uh, or has been historically a black disease, sickle cell disease. It's actually most prevalent in people with ancestry from Central and Western Africa, not all of Africa, and then also in people with ancestry from Greece and parts of the Middle East and other countries. And so there's actually been cases of people being misdiagnosed because of this assumption that sickle cell is a black disease. So I think it can be quite dangerous. Yeah, I mean, so I guess one thing we can draw from that, there's there's a lot of diversity and it doesn't sort of bunch up in the yeah. way that race theorists uh, or biological race theorists would seem to require for their view to have scientific plausibility. Okay, so... I mean, that's the idea that race might be some sort of biological fact or something like that. Let's let's turn on this next few, which then seems to be the alternative, that, well, if it's not a biological thing, it's a social thing. That's And this is the view called social constructionism about race. We, we do know that race does structure our social and political world. And it does change people's individual experiences of the world. For example, how they're treated by others. So if we're rejecting this view that it's not a biological fact, then why not accept the view that it's a social uh, construction? So what exactly is your worry with social constructionism about race? 
Uh, well, it's definitely the case that racial classification and racism has structured our social world, so I wouldn't object at all to that. <clears throat> My worry about social constructionism about race is that it is ambiguous, right? Yeah. This idea is ambiguous. It's not a view about race or a position about race. It's actually a metaphor which can be implied in all sorts of different ways, right? So there are people who are card-carrying biological race realists, social race realists, and anti-realists about race, and those are the three major options about, you know, what race is, and who are social constructionists, right? So it doesn't tell you anything really about what a person believes about race if they say that they're a social constructionist because there's ways to make sense of this idea from the perspective of all of the major positions about race. So I think that that's a nice high-level uh, way to put it. So, you know, let's, let's look at some four particular claims that you think make up or that different social constructionists support, which lends to your claim that, that it's not really a coherent view or not like a single view. So can you tell us what these four claims are and what you think about each of these claims, whether you think it's problematic or not uh, and, and why? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I think there's four different versions of social constructionism yep. out there. And so the first one says that, Race is not a biological reality. Right? The reason why we have the racial classification systems that we have isn't because of the biological facts. It's because of social factors, right? Race has been used as a, as a way of differentially distributing power and privilege between different groups and worse, right? So I think that this version of social constructionism is true, but I think it might be clearer to say that biological race isn't real. So it actually amounts to anti-realism yep. about biological race. Which is, which is a claim you endorse. Yes, it is yep. a claim I endorse. And then there are other versions of social constructionism. One of them is actually a version of biological racial realism, which might sound a little bit strange, but I'll explain the idea. So this is the view that races are literally socially constructed in the sense that social factors like racism determine our mating practices and therefore determine the biological composition of the of the population. Now, I don't agree with this version of social constructionism. I think you need to be able to show first that race were biologically real before you'd be able to argue for this, and I don't think that it is. But there are some leading biological race realists who think of themselves and describe themselves as social constructionists in this sense. And so I think you should be able to see by now a bit of a problem here, right? These two versions of social constructionism are actually you know, mutually incompatible. And then there's another version of social constructionism, which is the view that races are socially constructed in the sense that their social groups, that race is a social category. And a lot of people who identify as social constructionists in this sense want the view to act as an alternative to biological racial realism. But the problem is that it's actually consistent with biological racial realism. Now, I don't believe that this is true, but it would be totally possible for there to be biological races that were also, in some sense, social races or social groups. Right? So I don't think that the idea of social constructionism is sort of able to do the rhetorical work that people want it to do here as acting as an alternative to, to biological racial realism. And look, we don't have time to go into this properly, but I also think that this form of social constructionism is 
is controversial. There are two main ways in which philosophers have tried to make sense of the claim that race is real but social. The first is to say that race is a social kind in the sense that there are some um, social properties that are unique to racial groups and which distinguish racial groups from other sorts of groups like ethnic groups or religious groups or classes and all these other sorts of groups. And the second version of social racial realism says that race is a social status which is conferred onto us through classification practices. And I think there are problems with both of these views. I don't think anyone has been able to put their finger on what the social properties are that are unique to racialized groups. People might say things like, oh, well, racialized groups or races are essentialized groups. Well, there's lots of different kinds of groups that are essentialized. People, different personality types get essentialized, so you wouldn't want to say that they were races. And, you know, there, there could be more nuanced approaches, but every approach so far has ended up inflating the category of race sort of beyond recognition. And then with the conferralist approach, the trouble is there that so we wouldn't want to say that calling somebody a witch actually makes them a witch even if they get killed on the basis of the idea that they're a witch. And I think that I have a similar intuition about race, right? That calling somebody, that classifying someone as a member of a race isn't actually enough to make them a member of a race. Okay, so those are three versions of social constructionism. There's a fourth one, which is the view that race is a social construct in the sense that racial classification works differently in different places and at different times. So, for instance, someone who is classified as racially black in the US might be classified not as black but as coloured in South Africa and as white in Brazil. Now, I think this is another version of social constructionism about race which is true, but it doesn't actually tell us anything about what race is and whether or not race is real. And it's actually compatible with the view that there is... um, Uh, you know, underneath all of the noise, one true biological racial classification system, and even, you know, pseudoscientific views about hierarchy between the races. And so actually, this is the reason why I wrote this paper, was that I started to, to notice in the literature, authors arguing for what I see as really regressive and pseudoscientific research programs about race, and also identifying as social constructionists about race in this sense. And I don't think that we can say that they're not social constructionists. I think the conclusion we should draw is, wow, this idea of social constructionism really can't perform the rhetorical function that people have thought that it could perform, you know, acting as an alternative to biological racial realism and race science. Can I just follow up on one of those claims you looked at a little bit more when you sort of draw the contrast between different kinds of social kinds? So something like class, which you talked about. So is the worry that with something like class, we can sort of specify what we're talking about? Like it's someone who earns a certain income or um, maybe has certain sort of cultural preferences or something like that. And the worry is that we can't do something similar with race. Is is that the idea? That that is a perfect example. It's actually one that I use in my articles. We, We know what the social properties are that make a person a member of a particular class. It's really unclear what they would be when it comes to race. And if you look at how um, racialization evolved, right, it first happened in, um, in the late Middle Ages to the Jews and the Moors in Spain. But I don't think that when um, the Jews and the Moors were racialized, a new social kind was brought into being. Actually, the way that the Jews and the Moors were treated was largely continuous with how they were treated before. So I don't think a new kind was created. It's just that the groups were racialized 
that they had this new, there was a new way of understanding them in this biological sense. Yeah, once again, this idea about diversity com- comes through clearly in your answer to this one and your answer to the, the earlier discussion around biological race. There's a lot of diversity within so-called what we call races and that makes it hard to have any sort of coherent view about what they are as some sort of social or, or biological kind. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your alternative that you come to. So, you know, you, you identify these problems with these other views. Um, so I guess where exactly does that, that leave us? You talk in your paper a little about what you call racialized groups. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about why you use that language or concept, what it means, and maybe some of the advantages of your view over some of these alternatives. Sure, yeah. So I think that we should think about race as a failed scientific category, sort of like phlogiston or electric effluvia. And that instead of talking about races, we should talk about racialization and racialized groups and, of course, racism. And, you know, as, as I've said, there's controversies surrounding both biological racial realism and social racial realism. But it's really not controversial to say that there are groups that have been racialized, that have been interpreted as biological races and treated differently on this basis, often horrifically, right? So I don't think it's controversial to say that. And I think that it actually gets to the heart of what a lot of people who identify as social constructionists actually want to say, right? Which is to bring out the historicity of racial classification. But I think that the idea of racialization actually does it better than race, right? Because race is meant to be something that you have, whereas racialization is a process. It's something that's done to you. It's something you can do to yourself and that you can do to other people and that groups do to each other. And and this process language actually invites the right sorts of questions, right? It makes us wonder, oh, okay, so who's doing the racializing and why are they doing the racializing? And I think that's really useful. Okay, so... One way of thinking about this, I mean, is this a conceptual or a linguistic point? So, for example, let's say it turns out that, you know, using language of race is actually quite effective, a way of dealing with, say, racial injustice. Um, You know, maybe it's better to talk about the fact that some race or members of a particular race were discriminated against or they suffered worse health outcomes or uh, earned less money and so on. So is your worry that we shouldn't use this language or we should instead talk about racialized groups? which may or may not be as effective pragmatically, for example? Or is it more sort of a conceptual point that when t- people talk about race or races, they, we should understand that as something like shorthand for racialized groups or something like that. So is it a linguistic, a conceptual point, both? Okay, yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot there. So I mean, yeah. the, a part of, part of it, I think, is like whether, whether this is going to be practically useful, yeah. right? And I think that it will be. So let me give you another medical example. So in the US, black women by which I mean women who are racialized as black, tend on average to give birth prematurely, right? And this is often thought of as a racial difference. But it turns out that when African women emigrate to, to the US, they don't tend to give birth prematurely. Yeah. So it's not actually a racial difference. It is something that happens because of years of being racialized as black in a particular racist context, Right? And I think that the idea that it's a racial difference sort of puts the problem into the people rather than thinking of it as an external problem of, of interpersonal and structural racism. And so I think you also get a lot of these kinds of problems. For instance, people talk about there being attacks on people um, on the basis of their race. Right, So that, that's kind of ordinary language. But that gets the causality totally wrong, right? Nobody's ever discriminated against on the basis of their so-called race. They're discriminated against because of racism against a racialized 
group, right? So I think a lot of the, the language of race, a lot of race talk actually operates euphemistically, right? So we might talk of a racial attack rather than a racist attack. And I think that that actually operates to hide the fundamental problem of racism and it works to, to reify race. Now, you were wondering whether it was um, possible to just continue using the term race, but sort of make a, a move in your head, sort of saying, okay, but when I say race, I really mean racialized group. So, I mean, I think that would be a bit of a weird way of defining race, because it would end up be sort of being sort of circular, right? So you'd say that a race is a group which is misunderstood to be a race. But I think that it's you, know, you, want to, you want to know about practical problems. I think that there's a big practical problem here, which is that race has a long history, over 500 years of being a biological concept. And despite the efforts of social racial realists, who have done a lot of good anti-racist work, by the way, despite their efforts we haven't yet been able to change that in the public imagination, right? There's a lot of research that shows that ordinary people still think about race as a biological category and that thinking of race as a biological category is positively correlated with racist attitudes. So I think that it would be much better from a practical perspective to make a distinction between the thing that we want to say doesn't exist, right? Have a word for that, call that race, that doesn't exist, and then have another term, racialized group, for the, for the thing that we know does exist. And so I don't think that the idea of social constructionism really, really makes that point very well. Uh, and I think that rather than saying that race is a social construct, we should be much more direct and say that you know, racialization is real, racism is real, but race itself is not. That's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Adam. That was really interesting on a really important topic. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Look, the idea that race doesn't exist might be challenging for many people, but it's clearly an important issue and one that we all need to grapple with. Well, the recent findings we've talked about today suggest that biological races do not exist. The fact that our social and political worlds are still very much structured around racialized groups is clearly something that we just cannot ignore. But the conceptual and linguistic clarity that we've talked about today when thinking and talking about such matters is really important, and that's something I hope we've been able to provide a little bit here today. But that's all we have time for today. If you wish to read Adam Hockman's paper, there are links in the show notes. Thank you very much for your time, and this podcast has been a presentation of the Macquarie University Research Centre for Agency, Values and Ethics, or CAVE, and I've been your host, Professor Paul Formosa. Thank you. This is a Piccolo Podcast production.